you can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle, we don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning, download the app, give it a try. Cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy while hosts Heather Winnig and her co-hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Welcome to Cause and Effect. This is Heather Winnig. I'm that early childhood nerd. And joining me today is Patrick Stefaniak, (laughs) who is one of my bonus kids. You've heard me talk about my bonus kids before, Um, but I'm going to let him tell you what he wants you to know about him as a grown-up person, (laughs) apart from uh, being one of my bonus kids. So, Patrick, what do you want people to know about you? Um, Well, I... I guess with this podcast, um, I'm I like making games and doing art things, and so I always really like when you're talking about play because there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. So Patrick's what, an artist. He's not going to yeah. tell you that, but he's an artist. <laughs> Living in the Big Apple. <laughs> <laughs> right. Doing artist things. So. Um, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read the quote that we're talking about, and then um, then he's going to unpack it a little bit before we start talking. So um, here's our quote for today. Until the 18th century, and even more recently in some parts of the world, the play and games of children were also the play and games of adults. Arguing that adult activities have become too far removed from the places where a child's world unfolds, Bettelheim goes on to note that the adult <laughs> world is now separated from the world of children in deep ways. Um, which which really falls in line with a lot of the conversations we've been having on the podcast lately. Yeah. Um, in terms of the role of children and our view of children. So tell us about this. Where did you find it? And who is Bettelheim? And why did you pick it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually from... Even though most of the quote is quoting him, it's from a book by Mary Flanagan called Critical Play, Radical Game Design. Yeah. Um, so it's mostly about, like, both looking at how we can see, like, how we play already and, like, looking at it through a critical lens, but then also uh, creating other instances of play that are, like, purposely critical, um, and most of the time with art things. But this chapter was about, like, children playing with dolls and the ways they can, like, deal with whatever feelings they're having through doll play. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess Bettelheim is a <laughs> developmental psychologist, okay. I guess. Um, I had that information. I just wondered if you do, knew something more. <laughs> I did. I, I looked at the footnote. <laughs> 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 I just looked at the email you sent me. That was as far as I went <laughs> on it. So, um, so okay. I, you know, we've we've talked a lot about how an adult view of children, um, and I mean, on the podcast we have not necessarily you and I 
all <laughs> much, but we've talked a lot about how um, the view adults have about children and the goals they have for children really determine how they respond and act with and what they expect from them. Um, and then we've also uh, gone a little bit down the road of, of um, what does that say about what we think about children's worth and why is it so hard to take that seriously? Um, so that's why I liked this because I felt like it fit in there really well. Um, so you asked in the, the email when we were planning this out, um, what's driving the separation? So I wanted to hear what you thought about that. Of course, I have thoughts about it. but Yeah, um, I forgot what I had sent you in the email. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you think's driving the separation? Well, um, my, I guess, take on it is that I think that adult, like as adults, we tend to like to think that we have things figured out Mm -hmm. and then it's like, oh, this is how this thing works. And then that's the end of the story. Whereas like children have to like, they don't know how, you know, they start out not knowing anything. Uh So they have to like figure everything out. Uh And so then, uh. I think that the way we play has a lot less of that, like, figuring things out, and it's more just, like, playing a game, following the rules, trying to win. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and less about, like, trying to learn anything. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was making notes about what I want to get back to, because there's a couple of different directions I want to go with that, so give me just a second. Okay. <laughs> okay. I like... <clears throat> Excuse me. I like... Um, the way you said, you know, we, we feel like as adults we haven't figured out and we know the end of the story. Um, I think that really, that's really a good way to think about it because, because children still have that curiosity. They have a drive to learn more. They don't know that there's an end. You know what I mean? Like they just have yeah. this drive that they're following and they're curious about it. Um, so do you, do you think we've been programmed to see things as having an end or do you think just do we just reach a point where this is the reality there's an end and we stop (laughs) or what do you think yeah i mean i think it's both because i think it's like it would it'd be we wouldn't be able to function very well if we were like constantly like i don't know what's going on (laughs) like (laughs) just like fumbling around like i have to like feel everything you know we wouldn't be able to do anything okay but then i think also a lot of things do drive us to like try and be really efficient with our time and try to make worth out of everything Uh yeah that's another good way of thinking about it making worth out of everything yeah I, i think that's a big thing that we don't that causes that lack of appreciation for what's going on with children is we don't see the worth of it um, or the value of it, or it makes no sense to us why they have to try that. Um, Yeah. And that's, that's really hard to bring a person out of um, other than finding ways for adults to also play. Maybe does that, did that make sense? Yeah. Like like maybe that, uh, that idea of, Adult play um, is where this starts. So I want to talk about two things. First, I want to talk about the way we play that you talked about, where we play by rules and we're trying to win. And then Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about new ways of adult play. 
Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so I know you said that too in the email that this made you think about the way that we play Yahtzee with buddies. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and that there's not really much strategy or whatever, but you, and you know that I'm totally addicted right. to Yahtzee with buddies, <laughs> which is probably the only reason you're playing is because I've guilted you into staying in the game with me. Um, and I'll be honest, I was not a Yahtzee player ever and made fun of it when my friend said it was her favorite game. I laughed at her and then <laughs> she invited me to play and now I'm all hooked. Um, and they're not paying me to say that. <laughs> Yahtzee with buddies. That people. would be a really good endorsement that's, though. That's my podcast <laughs> sponsor. Uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, but that fits what you said about playing by the rules and just trying to win. Um, yeah, I was also thinking about how, like, you know, we play it on our phone, and it's just kind of like you hit the roll button, and then, like, numbers appear. <laughs> yeah. But, like, when you play it, like, the original game, like, the board game version, you have, like, the cup, and you have the dice, and you have to, like, throw the dice, and then, like, you know, I guess if we're going with this, like, adult mentality, you just want to roll the dice to get the numbers, but if you're a child, you're, like... Oh, throwing oh, dice. Right. <laughs> yeah. The the tools are interesting. The noise is interesting. Is It's funny if you throw them off the table. <laughs> right. <laughs> they like bounce everywhere. So, you yeah. can like, stack them. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, I can see. So what comes to mind now, if I'm imagining an adult and a child being in the same game of real life Yahtzee, I, I can very, I can picture that adult stopping all of that and trying to get them to count the numbers on the dice and count how many right. dice there are and um, have them practice throwing so it doesn't go off the table. <laughs> um, so it's just a mismatch of of goals, I guess, Yeah. in that. Um, I had to turn the sound off now playing Yahtzee on my phone <laughs> because if I get Yahtzee, it's so startling. <laughs> <laughs> The graphics, the dice fly all out at me, and there's noise, and it's overwhelming. So I'm not even trying to win at this point, because Yahtzee scares me. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. I'm still trying to win. Sometimes I'm I'm too lazy to think about it, though. So, um, hold on, I wanted to look, let me look at my notes again for a second. Um, So you said... For the child, Yahtzee would be really boring. Oh, like on the phone, Yahtzee would be really boring for a child. Yeah. Yeah, but not so much in real life. Yeah. Okay, so um, are you you okay to talk about the kinds of games that you're, like, you're designing (laughs) games? I mean, is that part of what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I mostly make, like, uh, video game type things. And I think that... Part of what I'm doing, maybe, like, it probably wasn't very conscious before, but now I know that I'm kind of trying to take video games back from... Because almost every video game is, like, you're trying to win. You're trying to, like, defeat the other person. You're trying to complete this task. And then I guess trying to, like, take video games back towards this more childlike version of play that's 
less based on trying to win and more based on trying to, like, learn and understand and just kind of, like, as a way of, like, dealing with feelings uh-huh. instead of just, you know, going through the motions. and Yeah. 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 Um, I have to make one more note, and then I have a question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you talk more. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if you thought, planned on that when I said come do a podcast with me. If you plan on no, talking, I, yeah, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you to. Um, <clears throat> so that's it's just a really interesting idea to me that the idea of trying to take video games back toward childlike play. So I'm curious, what does that look like? Like, what are the differences in a video? Because I don't play video games, right? Well, you do. Well, play I play Yahtzee, Yahtzee. <laughs> and um, I play solitaire on my phone, <laughs> right? <laughs> when no one's awake to play Yahtzee. I go over solitaire. <laughs> when you run out of Yahtzee bots right. to play against. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, eventually all my players go to sleep and I'm left alone. <laughs> so so can you tell me what, what, what that looks like for you? Um I mean, I guess mine look very like there's just like shapes, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there's very, like, few controls, and so you just kind of move the, like, button or the joystick, and stuff moves around or noises happen, but it's usually not very obvious exactly what you're doing, uh-huh. and there's no, like, stated goal. Right. So it's so more just... just, I wonder what happens if I do this, or if I go this direction, or yeah, add this shape. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think wondering is a big thing that's missing. Right. Um, with adults in terms of interacting with children is that children are expert wonderers and we sometimes have forgotten how to wonder or don't have time to wonder or um, just don't, it just doesn't even occur to us, you know? Yeah. And that's what I think uh, is interesting to think about with like the educational games, you know, that are trying to, Right. <laughs> yes, I know them. I've heard of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure you have a few feelings about them. <laughs> I have 12 feelings about <laughs> educational games. Sorry, yeah, what were you going to say? Well, as I was gonna say, on like one hand, they, um, you know, have, they're teaching us to think of learning as some sort of like goal oriented. You need to learn these things and then you win and then you go to the next one and then you just keep winning yep and then that's not fun uh-huh. right that's because <laughs> i mean if there's a winner that means there's a loser mm-hmm. which is not fun for the loser sure um and then but on the other hand i think it's an interesting possibility because it could take if it's done right it can take a subject that when it's taught normally it's like really boring or kind of lifeless, like there's no uh, understandable application for it, and it can kind of give life to it, like, you know, kind of like uh, if there's some sort of math formula or something, Uh it can, you know, illustrate it and make it real and concrete and have, like, actual things you can play with Uh and not just... Not just do, like, rote memorization and practice mm-hmm. that gets really tedious. Right, and and that's, I mean, there's there's so much research that tells us that that's not 
an effective way of learning anyway. Like even if you're getting that short-term result and they can do the rote memorization and pass that test or whatever or get to the next level if we're talking about games. I think that's a right. good thing, right? Getting to levels. Yeah. That's a good thing. <laughs> um, then, then they've achieved something, but that's probably not hooking into any sort of long-term change or learning or desire to go further or yeah. intrinsic motivation. Yeah, and it makes whatever you're learning, like that subject just becomes that. Like you think of math and you think yeah. of that last boring math class you took. <laughs> yes. Instead of it being like remembering that fun thing that you played with mm-hmm. and like are interested in learning more about. Uh-huh. Math's a good example for early childhood contexts because um, uh, most of, and I don't have the research for this at my fingertips, but if anyone wanted to challenge me, I could find <laughs> it and put it in comments when the podcast is released. But um, our, our field is full of primarily women. A lot of them don't feel like they do well at math and they wanted mm-hmm. to teach, but they were intimidated by like math and science, so they went into early childhood instead because they think of math as those time tests I couldn't get through or the the formulas I couldn't remember um, or, you know, just something I wasn't good at. When we're talking about young children, math is, you know, comparing things and sorting things and classifying things, yeah. um, which can be really, really exciting and interesting when you're three years old. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and then that builds a foundation so that when you're getting into that more I don't know that the stuff is boring but the way it's taught is not necessarily boring or is not necessarily exciting. Um they have a little bit of feeling of success <clears throat> and some familiarity with the concepts because they were allowed to play through it when they right. were younger. <clears throat> but we well, have it's just like Go ahead. Uh, this, yeah, that's just like that Facebook post you had earlier this week where I was like if someone would have told me when I was learning like calculus and linear algebra that like that would help me with like video game programming because suddenly I'm trying to do things that are like simulating physics or simulating how light hits objects and bounces off of them and other places and you know when you do that math in school it's like oh you're an engineer and you're building this container full of water and like (laughs) like that doesn't mean anything to me (laughs) and and play opportunities are full of that kind of stuff yeah all all of that kind of experience but so do you think that part of that is because um going to more public schools and elementary and older art just isn't valued and so the uh, like the teachers in the other um uh, I can't think of the word. Areas, we'll say. Department. Like, department. Yeah. That wasn't the yeah. word either, but that's better than area. Um, don't understand how what they do connects to art themselves. Yeah. So it's hard for them. Yeah, and I think even, like, art education is a whole, like, a whole, whole another. I guess it's related in that, like, when I think about a lot of art classes or music classes that I, like, took or saw people taking, Mm -hmm. there's always, like, it's, like, teaching a very specific way to do something. And there's, like, a right way or, like, a better way Uh and, like, a wrong way. (laughs) 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 Instead of thinking about, like, art as, like, oh, you're playing with these materials and, like, 
trying to learn things by using them and trying to like express yourself by using it. It's like drawing needs to be this like, oh, I can recreate this picture yeah. really accurately, and that makes me a good artist. Yeah. Or the the first question a parent asks when a child gives them a piece of art that they've done during the day is, oh, what is it? Right. <laughs> well, it might not be anything. Yeah. We, we have this struggle in, in early childhood, um, a pretty a pretty strong struggle of process-oriented art versus product. Mm. And I'm not even going to say the product is art, but they call it product art, but it's not. It's a craft or it's a product. It's It's not even art. And it's really, really hard because it's so culturally embedded into the field that we should be doing something or making mm-hmm. something. We need to have a theme and everything we do needs to fit the theme that we've got for that week. Um, and when we do have free art out, if teachers aren't very intentional, which I think it should be out all the time, but often mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's free art time or we're going to do free art on Tuesday or whatever. Um, if teachers aren't really intentional and thoughtful and creative and curious themselves about art, um, which I think fits play. I was like, oh, we've gone from play to art, but it's all it's all play for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if they're not really intentional about it, even in that free art stuff, they've got broken crayons and unsharpened paper or colored pencils and um, uh, printed off coloring pages. And that's not free art either. <laughs> that's, no, yeah. If you're giving them bad materials or the same materials, you know, you spend 10 hours a day at a center while your folks are working and you do that from six weeks until you go to kindergarten, you're going to get real tired of broken crayons <laughs> <laughs> and unsharpened colored pencils and dried up markers. Um, and, and so we, we just, if we're not, if we're not being responsible and careful about it, we're not giving kids a chance to have that experience that you described of trying things out and just feeling what it feels like and seeing what you can do and trying out your idea, working out a feeling. And yeah. That's sad. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because like you know, sometimes people talk about like children's art and like a lot of times kids art is like a lot more interesting than a lot of adults <laughs> art cuz you know, they're not worried about you know, what does it look like? Does yeah. it look like an expensive, well-done painting? Right. They're just like, you know, I had this idea or feeling and I had this like paint and then I tried to just do it. Yeah. And it's way, like, it's just way more actually art than what most people think. Yeah. And I think also, um, when you're talking about what time, like, these, like, separated times for, like, this is free art and this is, you know, we're doing, we're making snowflakes today. <laughs> um, Pumpkins. I think it goes back to the quote what the rest of, like, the context of that quote uh-huh. on that page um, is talking about how part of the reason why the way adults and children's plays gotten separated has to do with um, how we construct the idea of leisure time. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. and, pa- like, particularly with, uh, like the Industrial Revolution, I guess, with um, child labor laws oh, becoming yeah, a yeah, thing. Yeah. And so suddenly now we have this idea of children, and it's like, oh, a child isn't supposed to be working, you know, up uh-huh. until they're 
an adult now, <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah, right, um, yeah. We keep and changing so now they have too. all this time devoted to being a child. Yeah. And then there's transition into being an adult where now you have to go to work and then after work you can have fun. Yeah. So now you have like that separated leisure yeah. time. Which yeah, is like, I don't, I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't know that we've separated. I mean, I don't know that we've made that. I think we still really categorize it that way. Is that what you're saying? Like it's a, it's a holdover from that kind of thinking? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I think that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that makes sense because this is the other, and I think I've mentioned this in a couple episodes too. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> Everybody just has to bear with me when I go into rerun, but um, we've, we've been working on re- doing like we just overhauled the way we do um the way we ask our teachers to do their planning for their classrooms and for their Mm -hmm. days because again another really strong culture uh cultural idea or cultural value in early childhood is learning happens from nine to eleven and the rest of the day is you know just play or for routines Mm -hmm. and meals and naps or whatever but children are learning all day every day Right. They just might not be learning what we want them to, you know, (laughs) you know, so we have a responsibility to think about the whole day, but that's very much the same as what you're describing as we, we separate that as this is valuable. And then this is just, you know, they can do their thing and then we'll come back to the value. But I had, I had sort of all been thinking and attributing that to more adult ego. And like, I, I have, I have to feel like I'm teaching. I have to feel Mm -hmm. like. I have to feel like what I do matches my memory of teaching from my own elementary school, yeah, um, which is very segmented like that. But this is another way of looking at it. It's like we we just haven't we haven't quite come to terms with that. And when was the industrial <laughs> revolution? It was like a long time ago. It was a very long time ago. I know Charlotte <laughs> Bronte wrote about it, so <laughs> I'm guessing maybe it was now that you can ish. go back to like and. <laughs> That'll appear somehow. I don't know. (laughs) Our next quote will be from Shirley by Charlotte Bronte. (laughs) Because Industrial Revolution figures heavily in that one. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Anyway. I was going to say, I think, too, when you've been talking about how, um, you know, when you're trying to go talking about transitioning the children from preschool to kindergarten to middle school, like that and then you're trying to say like okay you're like starting the segmentation progress like process yeah. you're like getting them used to okay like now this time has to be this thing yeah. this time has to be this thing and there's no you know they're getting used to the idea like mm-hmm. this is work time and now this is play time right. and now this is eating time yeah. and not letting it just happen however it needs to happen yeah um so Lisa Murphy, you've heard me mention her probably too. Mm-hmm. Um, she <laughs> said, what does she say? Um, well, for one thing, she says, why do I want to get kids ready for bad school? And that always right. sticks with me. <laughs> but also she says, you know, you know, if there, if there was a famine coming and we knew that in a year we weren't going to have enough food, we wouldn't stop feeding kids now. Right. Because in a year they've got to be used to being hungry. <laughs> so why, why do we think that way? about school you know what i mean right. they're gonna have to stop being kids next year so let's stop them this year <laughs> i don't understand yeah. it but it makes me crazy as you know um so i have another thing i want to run by you okay going back to um i think a, a little bit ago you said something about you know looking at a copy of a piece of fine art and can you copy that and we think uh-huh. that is art 
So um, NACI is the National Association for the Education of Young Children. They uh-huh. they do accreditation for child care centers, and they have criteria that you have to meet. And one of – I don't know it because I wasn't planning to ask this, um, so I don't know the exact verbiage of the criteria, but it's something about we have to include works of fine art for children to see mm-hmm. and look at. And um, there are some – some philosophies of early childhood education that say you should put that out and give them the materials and see, like put books of fine, fine art in your, in your uh, free mm-hmm. art area. What do you, what do you think about that? Is that <laughs> I mean, on the spot too much? No. Okay. I mean, to a certain extent, there's like a lot of the like really famous and well-known things they're going to see anyway. Is yeah. like we all know what the Mona Lisa right. looks like. We and all that's know what, what ends up in everybody's book is the Mona Lisa, couple of Monets, right. Van Gogh, Van Gogh. Yeah, and like now you can't go anywhere without seeing that stuff everywhere. Right. Like on any kind of thing, you know, like on mouse pads and yeah. calendars and thank you, mugs. No, thank you, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other thing too is there's just so much art and then like you can find really interesting playful things Mm -hmm. that could be like great for kids to look at and you know even if maybe like they go to other play like you know they go on and they just see the Mona Lisa's and the Van Gogh's they like you know saw this other art and maybe are like oh I know that there's something else (laughs) I can go find that or like, you know, I know that there's other ways of doing art. Uh That's yeah. I think it probably depends too then on what the adults role in that is. So if we're adding or we're, we're exposing them to those other works, then is the adult expectation you create something that looks like this or is it, well, we'll just give you materials that are sort of similar to what this person was using and see what you do with it. Yeah. Um, And I've read, I read a book, I can't remember what, there's like a famous painter who wrote a bunch of stuff about teaching kids art, and most of what I remember it, <laughs> I'll have to find, find it for it, you. Yeah. yeah, but most of, like, the gist of what I remember about it is that it's mostly about getting out of their way and, like, uh, not imposing ideas on them, because it's really easy for us to do that, because we have so many ideas about what art should be, uh-huh. and, like, kids don't have the ideas so most of what we could do is just impose rules on them that they don't need yeah yeah that they're gonna get anyway that's for sure um so here's your assignment Uh find that book (laughs) find a quote about getting out of the way (laughs) and then we'll do another episode that's just wholly on uh process art kind of stuff okay um oh fooey i made another note and then i forgot where I was going. It's funny because process wrong. art is like. Uh, Does it mean something different? No, it doesn't mean something so. different. It's actually but like an actual like uh, genre, I guess. Oh, is it? Of, really? of art. Well, the one that, I, that comes to mind is there's an artist who takes big, huge pieces of felt and he'll like hang them on the wall and then they like droop down or like they'll get cut and like. So it's kind of the same thing where it's just about like materials uh-huh. and doing something to them. Uh-huh. 
and not like trying it's not like trying to make a picture of something it's just about the material and like what happened to it uh-huh. which is a really good example of how art connects to all these other domains that everybody thinks maybe is more important than art because there's science involved right in that kind of stuff and there's problem solving and there's you know tr- formulating an idea and trying it out and then processing the result yourself and those are all yeah. things we want for those you know the the big money fields <laughs> right and like communicating an idea like yeah. formulating it and being able to say what it is that you're trying to do yeah <clears throat> yeah and i as we're talking about this i see now too that one of the challenges then maybe one of those one of the roadblocks for a teacher who's not making the shift from product to process is they're not comfortable themselves articulating the value of the process. Yeah. So they say, you know, they end up like, well, we just have to do this, but they can't say the value <laughs> of it. So maybe that's another direction that we need to go is start practicing. Um, and, and I think that happens. We can just do that by watching the children use the materials and listening to what they say while they're using the materials. Yeah. Um, and then thinking about, okay, so how can I translate this value I just saw into the conversation at the end of the day with this thing that just looks like a blob in their cubby? Um, yeah. Or the paper that's soaked through from all the paint <laughs> and isn't really anything, um, but still is valuable. So I think yeah. that's, that's an important point, too. And I'm sure it's also difficult with parents encountering that. You know, like, they'd probably rather come home with, like, a house with their name on it with like their pictures of them drawn than like a stack of paper glued together with like string coming out of it. Well, that sounds fun though. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do that. When you're home for Thanksgiving, let's glue paper together. (laughs) (laughs) Or even like the idea of like not having something that's art that needs to like hang on the wall or like on the refrigerator and maybe like you have this paper string ball and you like hit people with it and like <laughs> yeah that's trying like, out an idea <laughs> yeah yeah um so I, so we have and probably most states have something like this now but in Indiana we've got paths to quality which is a rating system for childcare programs uh-huh. It goes one to four, and there's different, of course, again, criteria you have to meet. And one of them for level three is you have to have examples of the children's process art at their level. And I mm-hmm. think that um, the stuff you're describing is harder to display as examples of children's <laughs> art. Um, yeah. But it, but that's what it is. And but so, I, but I think too, maybe just taking pictures of them in the process of creating yeah. might be a good way because that's still a display of their art. I know or maybe like getting their, like asking them what they are doing, you know, and getting their words and maybe oh, you yeah, have a picture like, and you have like the narration. Yeah. Like, like their artist statement. <laughs> <laughs> but like just asking yeah. them what they're doing, like, Oh, like, why are you like piling this paint onto this? Like, <laughs> Is is there a reason? Yeah. Like maybe there's not a reason. Maybe they're just like, this is what I felt like doing. Yeah, <laughs> which is an acceptable reason. I just right. wanted to see what happened. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe part of getting out of their way too is if they don't want to talk to you about what they're doing, don't. Push. Yeah. Like if you're trying to get that narration, and they're not interested, 
don't do it anymore. <laughs> like, <Right>. just move <laughs> on. Um, or, you know, they're on their sixth piece of paper instead of saying, you've used so much paper, let's try something else. <laughs> In, like, that kind of judgmental tone or whatever, just right. say, what else do you need? What could I get you? What other ideas yeah. do you have? Um because a big art concern, too, is budget. Like, if we blow through right. it all on Monday, we don't have the money to replace it all on Tuesday in the early childhood classrooms. So we can maybe find creative ways to direct them to a new material. <laughs> Would that yeah. be disruptive? Is that rude to the artist if we do that, Pat? I mean, I deal, like, every artist deals with that, too. Oh, yeah. Like, stuff is expensive. <laughs> <You're awesome. laughs> Like, that's why I make so much stuff on the computer. Like, oh, buying paint yeah. and canvases or, like, sculpture materials is, like, really expensive. Yeah. And then you have to put it somewhere, and it's, like... <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, good. So, yeah, we're, so, so we are preparing lesson. them to be real artists <laughs> by introducing them to scarcity early. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, I mean, but really, though, that's, like, a lot of, like, a good... Thing to be able to do is you know like a problem solving skill like oh I have this idea or feeling or urge that I want to do and like I think that I want to use paint but all I have is broken crayons you know but then you have oh, to yeah. deal with it and you know figure out a way to make it work anyway uh-huh. now, now everyone's going to just keep putting their broken crayons out <laughs> <laughs> you just stepped all over my point. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. No, that's also good. You're right. You're right. You're right. They're still right. crayons. Um, they are. They still work. Um, and you can turn broken crayons into different things that right. you can use in, in other ways, too. So um, so it, it starts with, again, it, I guess it goes back to us and are we committed enough to making sure children have this experience to really look hard for ways around the barriers, I think yeah. is, is kind of where we're going with this. And um, I, I wanted to just, cause we, I guess my plan at the beginning of this conversation was to talk more about the separation between the ways adult play, adults play and the way children's children play. But this got, I don't know. I feel like we went in another interesting direction, but yeah. is there anything that you want to say about that separation to kind of bring it back? Was there more you wanted to touch on at the beginning or you just wanted to see where it goes to? Um, well, I think that uh, I know in your other podcasts, you ask people how we oh, can yes. bring how that back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing is that we can try to like ourselves get into that uh, more like childlike state of play. Um, and I think one way of doing that is through art or music or other, some sort of creative discipline, whatever it is, Yeah. you know, and not, uh, and consciously not being worried about the end product and just trying to go through the process of it and just trying to learn something, like whether it's something about yourself or about the material or whatever it is. So, okay, this is putting you on the spot again, but. Uh-huh. So, so say someone just heard you say that and they're like, yeah, I uh-huh. want to do that, but I don't even know how to start that. Yeah. What can I mean, they do? Give them a couple <laughs> ideas. Um, I mean, you can always just go get some paint and stuff. Just go to, go to Michael's or <laughs> Hobby Lobby or yeah. whatever craft store. Yeah. 
and just go get some materials that you find interesting and just go do something. Especially if it feels really silly, that's probably a good direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, so I was just thinking if it was me, maybe I would pick something I'd never seen before or something yeah. that I didn't know how to use. Like, I, there's a lot of that stuff when I walk through Michael's in the art sections. Yeah. So maybe that's what I would be drawn to is something I'd never used before. But if it's, if that's too intimidating for somebody, then just get paint. And yeah. and try it out and see where you go with it. Um, and if you have an idea for something new, then follow that idea and yeah. just keep going. Yeah. 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 Well, that could be really fun. <laughs> right. And then when you see, like, when you do that and you know how that feels, like maybe you haven't done this in a long time, and then you encounter the child doing the same thing, uh-huh. you might have some sort of, you know, like connection, like, oh, I yeah. know... How maybe I don't know how they're feeling right now, but I know what this process right. is like, and I know that I don't want to like try to disrupt them. I want to let them do whatever feels like they need to do because that's uh-huh. like I know that if I were like trying to do something and someone came in and was like, "No, you like it needs to look like this and not like what you're doing is not as good as it could be," like I would just feel really bad and I would not want to do it at all. Yeah. So it helps give them that perspective that maybe they were struggling to find before. Yeah. That, just that empathy is okay. So I've been, I've been that place before. So now I know yeah. how it feels to be interrupted and you just approach it differently. Yeah. And you know how like vulnerable it makes you feel to like go into the craft store and like, Oh yeah. You grab something weird, but you don't know <laughs> what it is. And you're, like, afraid of someone asking you, like, oh, like, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, one time, the one time I bought fabric, (laughs) I was making a giant uh, steel computer mouse thing. (laughs) And so I was buying felt to put on the bottom so it could, like, slide on the floor. Uh And so I was buying this felt, and the woman cutting the felt asked me what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm making a giant computer mouse. Duh. (laughs) And I felt really silly, but I mean, I'm sure people there have heard every kind of weird craft art idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she probably doesn't remember that interaction, right. or if she does, she probably just thinks it's funny and interesting. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I bet she didn't try and talk you out of it. Right. Right. Which is something we might do in an interaction with a child is, are you sure you want to try that? Maybe you want to try this instead. Yeah. I don't understand your idea, so I'm going to try and give you my idea. Right. I think sometimes we do that with children, but we wouldn't think of doing it. Yeah. In in the interaction like you described. Or do you you encounter that still? People do. Maybe not like when you're buying supplies at Michael's, but like definitely with people who have ideas about like what art or music oh, should be. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to tell you that what you're doing is not right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you whip out that BFA and wave it in their face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything else? Because I think this has been really good, but we're about at the about the time limit that I try to keep I, it at. Yeah, I think that's everything I have. Okay. Awesome. Well, this was great. Thank you. I'm serious. Yes. We need to do this again. We need to find that getting out of their way book. 
Yeah, I will. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, just that getting out of your way book. It's black with just white lettering on the front. <laughs> Very generic. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for another episode of Cause and Effect, and hope you'll join us again next week. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio 